today we have a very special guest. Her name is Christina Lundberg. She's a filmmaker, and she created the film for the benefit of all beings. This is a story of Garshen Rinpoche, who we will reveal more about him as we dive in. Please sit back, open your heart, and enjoy all that Christina has to share. I want to thank you for joining us today. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. And I want to to start out as we're celebrating the movie for the benefit of all beings in honor of Garshan Rinpoche. I wanted you to share your beginning interception of this beautiful being that's on our planet. I first learned of Garchan Rinpoche when I was in Tibet in 1994 working on a different movie. And by that time, I was already a Tibetan Buddhist, uh, had done a lot of spiritual searching, having been raised Christian and really found my spiritual home in Tibetan Buddhism and uh, had already found um, some of my teachers at that point and was working on a film. And I learned of Garcha Rinpoche and I was unable to get to Eastern Tibet and Kham where he was at that time uh, to meet him. But the the karma did ripen to meet him when I was in Nepal in 1996. And I was fortunate to be among a small group of Western students there that um, I I was able to meet him and receive some teachings before he came to the West. Um, So that's that's the short story. (laughs) Uh, If you can just share how you were inspired or requested to create this movie. I had I have been making movies on dharma on uh, Buddhism uh since really the day I met it. That's how I met the dharma was through film and and I it's funny I'd heard somebody say uh the way you meet dharma is often the way you end up serving it. Mm. And in my case that was definitely true. I met Rinpoche in in 1996, and it was a love at first sight, and um, was his student thereafter, after he came to the West and set up his whole center in Mandala here in the West. uh, I was definitely a part of it, but I was working full-time for another teacher of mine, Lama Zopa Rinpoche, and... Garchin Rinpoche was always very supportive of all the work that I was doing for Lama Zopa Rinpoche and his foundation, FPMT, and where I was making films on Buddhism. And I had just finished a documentary uh, called Mystic Tibet on a pilgrimage to central Tibet with Lama Zopa Rinpoche and other students. I didn't have ideas for my next film project yet, but uh, was just thinking I would take a little break and do some retreat. And I did a retreat with Garchin Rinpoche, and I never said a word to him about 
my film projects or where I was or completing this or that. Uh, but he always knew what was going on. And I had always offered my service to him for the 11 years that I had been studying with him. And he and he encouraged me to keep my practice going and keep making the films that I was and doing the work that I was doing. And I finished this retreat with him right after 2006 um, in December, bringing in the new year. And once again, I asked him if there was anything I could do for him. And he this time he said yes, actually, Uh that many students over the years had requested to Garja Rinpoche that there be a movie made about his life story. And Rinpoche had decided that he was ready to do that, and he asked me to make the film. So it was a... Uh, and the idea being to make a movie that would help his students remember him after he passed away. That was his... The main reason he he said he was wanting the film to be made, so he was fulfilling all these requests he had gotten over the years, and I was um, the timing couldn't have been more perfect because I had just finished this other film project, and it's like I know that Garcia Rimache didn't call Amazopa Rimache on the phone and say. <laughs> How's the project going? Is she almost done? Or it's just that Buddha network. They they just know. They know what's going on with all of us all the time. And uh, so that was um, that's how it all started. Mm. And I want to share with you a, a testament to your work and to Garshan Rinpoche. Uh, when I saw this film first was two years ago, almost exactly two years ago, in Los Angeles, I believe, and I brought my two children who were then eight and 11, and your the documentary has uh, English subtitles, right? And, <laughs> and so it's a lot to ask for small children to sit and watch a documentary, typically. However, uh with having Garshan's presence and your creation, my children did not ask once when they could leave. They sat there completely still throughout the entire film. And I would love for you to share uh, just from kind of behind the scenes during this process, because a lot of times you don't know to experience it like that, uh, what he is vibrating as. If you can share a little bit or a few stories of that quality of him and how that flowed through in the creation of the film. Oh, well, um, it's always so hard to put this into words because it's just, it's beyond words so often. So I'll do my best. Um being in his presence, uh, certainly for the production of the film, uh, that was, I think, three or four years of filming, or three years, pretty much, of filming, 12 different countries. So I had um, really an unusual vantage point 
to observe him and and already had faith and devotion uh, for Garcia Rinpoche before the film started, but the filming process it just deepened it uh, because I saw him in all of these different cultures with all different kinds of people from the VIPs to literally beggars and everything in between and. It was really extraordinary just to witness perfectly realized unconditional love and what that looks like and feels like in the world. Because uh, it's really rare to have that embodiment in, in a human form in your world for you to observe and learn from uh and of course, received blessings from. Um, and I think that was, you know, one of the stronger teachings and blessings for me in the process, just to see that it is possible to achieve that perfect love where he literally loves everybody the same. Not his, he doesn't love his dear old friends that he's been intimate with uh, from early in his life until now, more than the new person that walks in the room. Uh, and and that's just, you know, I think that's what a lot of people think of as God being that unconditional love that really doesn't have any bias or preference or aversion or attachment. And it's just that supreme equanimity uh, that... Honestly, I have never witnessed this up close uh, for this prolonged period of time um, making the film. And that was just a, just a supreme experience and teaching. And, of course, it puts into sharp relief in my own mind <laughs> where I need to be doing the work and how different experience I'm having to what he's having. And that I still have a very strong, heavy, dualistic perception of the world. And, um, you know, and at the root of that, as he teaches, uh, is the self-grasping. Yeah, I mean, I would say overall, in general, that that was the constant teaching for me. Having this perfect love embodiment uh, being in front of me um that I was filming all the time. So my job was to observe and, and witness. It was just so beautiful and inspiring, encouraging to know, okay, this is the this is the manifestation of the full realization of the human mind. What is really possible, you know, to have a completely open heart with perfect equanimity, not a shred of self grasping, no ego no me first, no I want, no I need. It's all completely effortless. I mean, he's tireless and his all of his actions are effortless. And, how, you know, how is that possible? And it's just because he's completely eliminated all self-grasping. So that song of I is what I call it, the song of I that imprisons us 
constantly. He's completely liberated from that. When you say that, I would love for you to share a little bit more uh, one aspect of the film. I'm not going to have you recapitulate. We'll touch on certain points that really stuck out for me um, in my uh, karmic roots to Tibet. But if you, that I, how a person can be uh, in prison and being tortured and want to end his life because he's no longer feeling or feels or fears that he will no longer hold love and compassion for those torturing him. And how that period of time, which is quite extensive in the the I mind, (laughs) 20 years, if you can share a little bit about your digestion of that information and then how he's so jovial, which is so profound to see, even in the traditional... Tibetan Buddha sense, he really uh, kind of steps outside the box in the typical patriarchal form. If you can share a little bit about both of those subjects. You know, when I did the life story interview with Garchin Rinpoche and he really got into the details of his imprisonment and his own practice and path and progression of dealing with these afflictions that in his mind that were apparently arising um, of anger and um, thinking it would be better to end his own life so there'd be more food for other people. And, uh, you know, it's just in such a different category of suffering that I haven't encountered in my lifetime and most of us haven't, certainly living in the U.S., you know, it, it's hard for us to even conceive of of that level of suffering and torture. And it just, to me, is a testament to the power of practice and his practice specifically that he was able to overcome everything that was going on and really be of benefit to everybody in the prison consequently and basically you know attain realizations and having his lama in prison with him was an enormous blessing is as far the thing is is i actually perceive garchamache on a couple of different levels so when he tells the story of how he was in prison and um went through all of these sufferings and so forth. Uh, on one level, I believe he's, I, I, it indeed happened to him, all of these things. But as far as when he actually attained realization, uh, I think that's de- debatable. <laughs> because in the film, they also, it, it's also stated, you know, that he's had many, many lives. And um, so I personally have always viewed Garcia Rinpoche as an enlightened being who came to this world. And in this time as Garcia Rinpoche, and I think honestly that he, he could have escaped and left Tibet. He had opportunity to do that. And he chose, I think he knew exactly what was going to happen, that he would be captured and and imprisoned. Now, this is on a more ultimate level, right? Right. 
And I think he intentionally stayed and so he could help the people in prison, a true bodhisattva, you know, choosing to do that. Now, he would never admit this, and he does not tell the story this way. And everything that he says happened. And, but, uh, I, so that's what I mean, and I perceive him on a few different levels. And I think that, um, he, he ultimately intentionally went to prison to help all of the other people that were in the prison as as much as possible. From example, just like I've been so inspired by the way he's he lives his life in every moment, I think the same was true for all of the the Tibetans in the prison who were struggling terribly and even taking their own life because they couldn't stand it anymore and so I just think he was a real light in the darkness for them there. And and he does talk about his own struggle. And I think uh, that's largely, it, his whole life is a teaching for us. That's really how I view him. So uh, I can't really talk about him in an ordinary way, but right. the transformation that he communicates that happened to him um it i think it's uh it's yeah another example showing all of us that it is indeed possible even in the worst circumstances imaginable you know it is possible and what wasn't in the film so much was the details of just how much practice he was doing at night and meditating and and, and i didn't get into all of those details as much um uh, but it is true. He he practiced all the time, and um, and some of that is conveyed throughout the film. I tried to get some of the the degree of which he he did that in there, but I didn't. I wasn't able to completely elaborate on it as much as I had wanted to originally, and um, and and let's see what was the other. Joy, his, oh his, joy, yeah. His playfulness, which is isn't always exuded by um within the Tibetan mm-hmm. Buddhist. <laughs> yeah, especially for the higher lamas. There's usually more formality and uh I think Gartram is quite unique in his manifestation and uh I have seen him once there was a time when I was filming uh, at a temple uh, that had invited him to teach. It was not his own Dharma center or lineage, actually. And so he was a guest there, and it was a very formal um, temple, beautiful, yet there were, it was strict. There were a lot of rules where you could sit, where you could sit where you could walk where you couldn't walk and uh, it was a break time tea time and there were some new people there who were kind of wandering around and unaware of all the rules and uh, Garcher and Mache came back in from the tea break to resume the teaching and they were completely oblivious unaware that he had entered the room and he had come in and and when when a high lama enters the room, everybody has to stand up, 
Okay, so what happened was is everybody's standing in the room as Garchin Rinpoche walks back in, and and the new people were looking at the the altar and the beautiful statues, and they didn't see him come in, and and it was a potentially awkward moment about to happen because they weren't the new people weren't where they were supposed to be in the room and so forth, and Garchin Rinpoche. He walked up behind them. They, he, these people didn't know he was coming. And he just walked right up to them and he gave them a huge hug, both of them at the same time. And it, it dispelled any embarrassed or awkward feelings that they would have had normally if once they realized they were in the wrong place at the wrong time kind of thing. And he completely just melted the whole situation with love. Mm. It was so beautiful. Just one of those unusual, spontaneous moments of teaching of how to diffuse a potentially embarrassing or awkward situation. And he just completely zapped it with love. And they, of course, had big smiles on their faces. They were just infused with his love and returned to their seats. And, and we started the teaching. And it was just perfect, a uh, perfect example of how he works. And, and so the joy, I mean, I think he would have, had he been in Hollywood during the silent films, he would have been a really popular actor, silent <laughs> film actor, because he's just—he's totally gifted in um, making people laugh, joyful. And I asked him about that once, and he said, "I will do anything that makes people happy." And that's—I uh, think it's not just he's being silly when he does his imitations and so forth he he's really just trying to continually melt our self-grasping which does just lead us all to our true nature which is happy joyful and it's it's uh, everything he does is intentional there's nothing there's no unaware moment uh, in his life it ever it's just like perfect mindfulness all the time. And you know, a lot of people liken him to uh, Tara. He has a really special connection with Tara. And Tara, Buddha Tara, is also often called you know, Mother Tara, uh, Mother of all Buddhas. And he really is like a mother to all beings, being his children, and so demonst uh, demonstrative, loving, and physical. I, I don't think he was as physical as far as giving people hugs in Tibet. I think that he has adapted to our Western ways. And he knows all of our minds. And uh, he knows people want to hug him. And so he's allowed it. He's unconventional in that way. He doesn't, he's not a formal, formal scholar. He's really a yogi. Hmm. And in his presentation and how he manifests, yeah, and of course he has all these different aspects, but those are just some of them to talk about. And if you can share a little bit about the the self 
grasping. Uh, we both, I didn't get to speak to you in person, but uh, how I realized you were right there <laughs> behind me for part of the teaching on towards the end of the year uh, this past year at the Institute in uh, south, the Southwest Buddha Field in Chino. Sure. Yeah, and what was so so beautiful is his encouragement to, as I will share my uh, summary of part of the teaching, was just to sip it up, meaning that whether it's positive or negative, you can just really just bring it into your heart and be joyful with it. If you can share a little bit about your journey with, as you mentioned, the I, the self-grasping, and how he's gives you or has given you some powerful tools to practice releasing the self-grasping, releasing the person that maybe wants to argue, releasing the person that only conditionally loves with our listeners. Mm. Well, I realize that, you know, some of this language might be new to some of your listeners, but it's really... Um, Dharma, which is what the teachings that the Buddha gave, called Dharma, and at the root of it, Garcha Rinpoche always teaches at the root of all of our afflictions, whatever's arising, whether it's anger or attachment or jealousy or um, sadness, what, whatever it is that's arising in our minds. Um, the root of all of it is self-grasping. And he loves to use this metaphor of that we're all ice cubes right now, but our true nature, when we can melt the self-grasping that is making us hard and feeling separate and the perception of being separate from everything in our world... Um, when that ice melts, it's all water and it all flows into the same ocean. And when when the water, when it's melted, you can't discern which is your water and which is somebody else's water. It all merges into one. And that that's a metaphor he often uses for our spiritual journeys. And so... This grasping at a self, it's so automatic, it's hard to even recognize uh, until you until you become aware uh, of it and, and get a mindfulness practice going and develop some awareness and, um, and a, a little separation from your thoughts that arise. So when the thought arises, you... You aren't so closely identified with it, but you actually have some space in your mind to see the thought and you're able to uh, dissolve it with your awareness, almost like a laser or hot water on the ice cube. You can think of it that way. And it's with that separation from I am angry to watching the thought of anger arise and you do not immediately grasp onto it, identify with it, and then react, and then then you're into it. It's very hard to stop once you're reacting. So if you can catch it before you react and respond and dissolve it, 
And that all comes from practice of mindfulness and awareness and, of course, setting an intention. That's kind of the, the basic idea of what you're trying to do. And the self-grasping only, every time, will only lead to suffering results. And as Rinpoche teaches and as I have experienced, the less grasping I'm involved with, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the happier I am. And just no contest. It really is liberating. And, you know, in the West, we would use language more like ego. He has a big ego. She has a big ego. That's That ego we're talking about, that's that strong identification with self and thinking that is who I really am. I really am all my thoughts. We don't normally have the space the experience of the space in our minds to let the thoughts dissolve and it, and experience your true nature. And you can get a taste of it, and then you, the the stronger your practice gets, then that ta- those tastes become longer experiences, and then there can become some stabilization. And it's and it's a long process. You know, 20 years in prison, Gardner Mache talks about practicing in those extreme conditions. But the truth is, is that, you know, he, he's been practicing for lifetimes. We all have to one degree or another. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be interested in listening to this subject. Beautifully said. And if you can share in a moment that I was, had the beautiful honor of sitting with him briefly he exclaimed all we need is a clear heart and a clear mind and if you can share as our mind empties how it starts to transform our heart and how we can potentially embody equanimity of the heart and unconditional love for all beings I'd love to hear you talk about it too You said it lovely. It's really, just my experience is the less self-grasping, the less I grasp on to all of these different thoughts that arise that are all based in an I. And it's actually a false sense. It's a false I that we all believe has been real this whole time. But you you will never really understand that until you break it down break it apart and you get to this emptiness which is the true nature and it's empty of the grasping empty of the sense of self that we all believe to be true and real and that's what creates the dualism and when that lessens and diminishes the heart we talk about the heart it's really your compassion uh, that you have deepens and widens and strengthens because there's not so much attention on this self. And then the less you're grasping at self, then the more there is for others. And And a lot of people think, well, if I'm just thinking about others all the time, and helping others all the time, um, 
what's going to happen to me? Or there's burnout. I'm going to get burned out. I have to take care of myself. And and that's what's really fa- been fascinating to me is, is that the more I practice with wisdom of how the self is really existing and realizing that it it doesn't exist the way I have thought my whole life and lives, it's very liberating. And you really do have more love and compassion that just is naturally there because it is part of your true nature. But it, it's squashed. It's like by all the self-grasping. So that's how they go hand in hand in my experience. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well said. And as you're talking about the heart, if you can share uh, from your observation and your practice and what Garshan has maybe taught you about uh, the teachings within White Tara and her place in potentially all of our heart, (laughs) and especially as he seems to emanate when I've been around him. Well, he has a real connection with White Tara, um, and many people say he is the embodiment of White Tara. And White Tara is the the Buddha of immortality, uh, of long life, uh, but immortality is really her true meaning, and that is that state of um, that all Buddhas. All Buddhists have the same state of mind of perfected wisdom and compassion, but immortality really is, um, you know, there's no end, there's no beginning. It's just completely been perfected, her mind and and her heart in Western language, but wisdom and compassion. And, And as I said before, Tara is the mother of all Buddhas. She's referred to in that way as well. So, uh, in particular, White Tara is um, Buddha of immortality and long life. And, yeah, he, I mean, for me, Rinpoche, yes, he's White Tara, but he's all the different Buddhas too, not just White Tara. And he can manifest any aspect at any time, given the situation and what's needed. So, White Tara is a peaceful deity. And if necessary, he can manifest as a wrathful deity. And I've seen that aspect of him. If that kind of energy is called for in in circumstances to really cut through self-grasping if it's stronger and thicker, so to speak. Embodiment of White Tara is is the mother to all beings. And, And he often talks about, you know, you mentioned you had children and... For parents, it's so common to love your children so much and do anything for them and want to protect them, and that's your job. But Gartram Shio says, you know, Mother Tara, is, you, you need to feel that way about all children, not just your own. And and that's an example, I guess, of what what perfected compassion looks like perfected wisdom it's really about that having that same feeling of 
intense love for all beings, uh, all children. And that, that's really what he's accomplished. It's extraordinary. Mm. He is extraordinary. <laughs> oh, as are you. So I want to ask you, um, I remember hearing that the journey of making this film presented potential uh, opportunities to practice your practice. If you can share a little bit about what you gained as far as learning more about yourself during doing something that you love, connected with something that's so deeply a part of your cellular being, and also uh, what you have to reflect to others about stepping into that role of creating in harmony with spirit. In my experience, a, a real qualified guru, um, he knows exactly my mind and exactly my afflictions and Making this film, he gave me ample opportunity to really work on myself. So it was hard. Um, work on my mind. So there were numerous challenging situations. Um, often I was in his presence, and when an affliction arises in his presence, uh, I have somehow more awareness of it than I might otherwise. And... So it was really fantastic. I was just put right in the f in the fire, so to speak, for a sink or swim situation countless times. And my challenge was not to blame other people and buy into that dualistic perception that's like a knee-jerk reaction um, and pattern, but really to own it as my own karma and the working of my mind and all of my projections and dissolve it, dissolve it, dissolve it. And the more I did that in challenging situations, the greater the reward and the greater the blessing. And Rinpoche always would say, uh, there's no victory without hardship. And so... I I understand that now firsthand. <laughs> you know, I learned about I have a, a more ability to choose love instead of buying into and grasping at my afflictions. And I feel, you know, I've gotten better at doing that. I have not perfected anything. But, um, you know, it's just, incredible opportunity to be able to make a film on this amazing being's life and and just be able to see my mind much more clearly in sharp relief the the work that needs to be done and also the inherent beauty and true nature and that it's it is a progression and and it's possible to change and really to to shed the suffering and embody the love and the wisdom more and more and more. And it's work. Yeah, it's not just a easy couple of workshops, <laughs> good to go. I mean, it's, you know, it's a life, 
it's life after life after life. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, kind of work, yeah. for sure. Yes, I will concur. <laughs> 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 Thinking ahead for the next lifetime is a, a good a good incentive in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, t- I have a different view now. I, it's not a short, instant gratification, like, oh, this is all going to happen now. And I have a much longer view of um, what it really takes to attain enlightenment. And that it's actually been helpful. It t- it's taken me quite, quite a while to accept Accept just how hard it is and how long it can take and um, you know not to give up there was and Rivache's life is just such a great teaching and whatever challenge or hardship feels like too much I just remember what he went through in that prison and every time I do that it puts whatever problem is in front of me uh, into perspective, and it, and it always seems doable after I remember. So I've definitely drawn strength from his life story, and it's given me inspiration. Gee, if he can accomplish what he has accomplished in that through that intense suffering, I I can certainly get through this, whatever it is, you know. Mm, yes, yeah, I think he shared with us uh, how. Uh, human life is a horrible thing to waste, <laughs> terrible thing to waste, and that no matter what our circumstances are, we can continue to clear our mind and heart, <laughs> which I try to keep remembering that at all times. That's why the practice is so precious. It's like whatever is happening in the life, you know, you always have practice in each moment, and it just it can really it it can transform anything and everything. It's amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. So I would love for you to share uh, with everyone, we'll put links below, but one where they can uh, purchase a copy, donate, and if you have any upcoming screenings that people can attend. Absolutely. The the film website for the benefit of all beings.com, you can purchase the DVD on the website now and 100% of the proceeds go to the endowment fund for Garchin Institute, which is Garchin Rinpoche's main Dharma Center in the U.S. And that will ensure that the Dharma Center is always in existence. And this is Garcher Rinpoche's heart wish, that this fund be completed because after he passes away, um, I believe he intends to return quickly. And uh, the center needs to be there for for that return. And um, so please uh, visit the website and buy a copy for yourself and your friends. And there's also a booklet that comes with the DVD that has some beautiful teachings that Garcia Rinpoche gives in the film. And there are also some special feature videos that come with the DVD um, where you can go to Lapchi, which is this really holy place. Uh, it used to be part of Tibet. Now it's part of Nepal. Rinpoche gives some teachings there and some of the caves where Milarepa meditated. And it's really 
really powerful place. And there's also video on Gar Monastery in eastern Tibet and so forth. So there's a lot of material. Yeah, is that... Uh, That's beautiful. Uh, yeah, thank you. Well, Christina, I really appreciate you sharing and teaching us today and uh, just opening up a little bit more that we might not get to experience with Gershon, especially for those that may have not met him yet in this lifetime. So thank you so much for being here today. Oh, well, thank you so much, Suzanne, for wanting to talk with me. And I um, I hope people will, will see the film because it's a wonderful way to connect with Garcha Rinpoche. And, uh, you know, if you might not otherwise get a chance to meet him, he, he will certainly transmit his blessings to you through the film. Mm, definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, so so much. Thank you, Christina. Thank you. Thank you once again, Christina, for taking the time to speak with us today. Please connect with the links below. Uh, If you haven't had the chance to meet Garshan, you will through this beautiful film. And we're going to exit out with White Tara. It is a longer segment, about 11 minutes, so this is a perfect opportunity to engage in a little meditation and breath work and receive the blessings of White Tara. Until next time, this is she signing out with Be Simply, a namaste, and a deep bow. Mm-hmm.